0: Welcome everybody to episode 641 of First Class Fatherhood, a family-made media podcast. And I got a rare treat for you guys here today. It's not too often that I have the father of a previous guest on the podcast, but that is what's going down today. Jerry Jenkins joins me on the podcast today. Jerry Jenkins is the dad of Dallas Jenkins, the creator of The Chosen. Dallas joined me on the podcast not that long ago. The Chosen, of course, is the biggest crowdfunded media project of all time. It has been a huge success uh, for Dallas Jenkins. His father, Jerry Jenkins, joins me on the podcast today. Jerry is the author of more than 200 books. He's a New York Times bestselling author. His genres include everything from biography to self-help, romance, mystery, young adult fiction his latest book is the chosen come and see a novel based on season two of the chosen jerry jenkins is well known for his left behind series jerry is a first-class father he's a world-class writer i'm honored to have him on the podcast today jerry jenkins will be here with me in just a few minutes so please stick around for the interview And today's interview with Jerry Jenkins was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So you'd like to watch today's conversation uh, between Jerry Jenkins and myself. Please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and as I mentioned, Dallas Jenkins joined me on the podcast not too long ago. You can find that interview in the archives of the podcast, which is, as I mentioned at the top, brought to you by Family Made Media. You guys know uh, that I did the deal to bring First Class Fatherhood to the Family Made Media Network, and I've got some exciting news to share. Family Made just launched an amazing newsletter They send it out every Monday and Friday. I promise you, don't want to miss it. The newsletter touches on relevant topics. You're going to get personal stories from Sean Johnson and Andrew East. And of course, you're going to get family-centered content to get you excited and informed about family life. To subscribe to their newsletter, all you got to do is head to news.familymade.com. Type in your email and you're set to go. News.familymade.com. I'm going to put that also in the description of today's podcast episode. Make sure you just pop your email in there to ensure you never miss out on all Family Made has to offer. It's that simple. All right, and be sure you guys follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Ace for all the upcoming guest announcements. Got some great ones coming your way soon. If you can, please help me spread the podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that celebrates fatherhood and family life. And right now is my interview with Jerry Jenkins straight ahead on First Class Fatherhood. Uh, joining me now, First Class Father, Jerry Jenkins. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood.
1: Thank you, Alec. Uh, great to be here.
0: All right, let's start like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they?
1: I have three grown sons with my wife, Diana, and they're, uh, 47, 44, and one soon to be 40.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I had the honor of having your son, uh, Dallas on the podcast here previously. If you could, Jerry, please just, um, take a minute to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do.
1: Well, I'm a, an author and, uh, I don't want to sound falsely modest, but I I really believe I'm mono gifted I don't sing or dance or preach writing is all I do. So uh, I've written uh, over 200 books by now, and um, about two thirds of those fiction but a lot uh, nonfiction as well. And uh, it's been a dream career and I'm, uh, I'm really, really feel blessed.
0: Well, obviously, you've had a a tremendously successful writing career, Jerry, and take me back if you could then, I know you said oldest is in the 40s there, if you could take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey, uh, about how old were you when you first became a dad, and how did that experience change your perspective on life?
1: Well, it was really a a monumental thing for me. Um, My wife and I had been married about four and a half years before Dallas came along, and uh, I had an unusual experience. I was working for a, a, a little Sunday school publishing Sunday school paper publishing house, and I was interviewing men for various stories. I think there were about five different guys I was interviewing all at the same time, basically for, for different uh, kinds of stories. But at one point in each of the interviews, I asked them the same question because they were all about twice my age at that point. I think I was 23, or 24 at that time. These guys were all in their mid to late forties. And I said, is there any, uh, any regret that you have at this stage of your life. And to a man, every one of them said, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids when they were growing up. And I remember going home that day and talking to Diana and saying, you know, when we have kids, if I if I wind up having that same regret at that, that age, I'm going to be without excuse because clearly somebody's trying to tell me something. And so we just set a policy, you know, even before we had kids that once the kids came along, I would do no work from the office and no writing from the time I got home from work until the time the kids went to bed. And uh, I, I learned that kids, you know, you, you tell them they're your top priority. They hear what you say, but they believe what you do. And they spell love, T-I-M-E. And uh, I just, I have a great relationship with all three kids and uh, never had any uh, rebels or, you know, prodigals. We're best friends to this day. And I really, I really owe it, I think, to that policy that we set years ago.
0: Yeah, very well said, Jerry. And, and to your point, too, uh, I think today, one of the things that challenges many parents to do that is this technology that we have where that wasn't the case many years ago. And it's something that so easily can take our time away. I know for us, we, our, our designated time in our, in our house is when we eat together as a family for dinner, that all the technology goes away. And all six, I have four kids myself. And then all of us spend that time together, even if it's just for that, uh, because it has gotten so far out of control. And I think so- somewhat of our society here, Jerry, has placed so many of the value in other things other than your family and other than being a father and having that family life. And it seems like we're chasing all these other things. Life's got us get this, get that, get this. And it seems like we've kind of you know lost touch with what's really, truly important and what we're really going to cherish the most towards the end of our lives.
1: Yeah, everybody wants everything right now, and uh, technology is making that come true. I mean, just yesterday, I was ordering something from Amazon, and they said, if you order this much, you can get same day delivery. And so I did. I ordered another you know copy of whatever I wanted, and uh, same day got that, that order. So it's instant gratification. Now back when, when my kids were little, I mean that's back when rainbows were still black and white, you know, but there were still distractions. I could have easily been sitting behind a a newspaper or close the door and do my writing and tell the kids, daddy's too busy. Just simply wouldn't do that. Well, nowadays, as you say, there's everything that can distract you. We live in this screen generation. We carry these screens around in our pockets. Uh, We watch big screen TVs. Uh, We sit before screens all day on the computer. Um, Everybody has any excuse they want to do what, uh, what should be Um, a lesser priority than their own kids.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Jerry. And one thing that I focus on here on this show a lot is the fatherless crisis, where we have so many of our kids growing up without a father or a father figure in their life. And, And it's really leading to so many disastrous situations in our society. And I just think that if we could get more dads in the home and have more nuclear family units, I think most of the problems that we're seeing in our country would really just start to dissolve quickly.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I can remember when, when my kids were little, since I was always there, once I got home from work, we would be outside playing and running around and and uh, building baseball diamond or, or playing a game. And uh, my wife said that often uh, kid, other kids in the neighborhood would come home from school and come to the door and ask if uh, if their friend's dad was home uh, because they wanted somebody to play with. They wanted to, to have an adult in their life. Their dads weren't there. And uh, so, it you know, you, you serve a role for the whole neighborhood if you do this right.
0: Yeah. And another part of the two that's missing is our heavenly father too, Jerry. So much of faith has been removed from society. I know you have the book out here, The Chosen. Obviously, your son, Dallas's uh, uh, creation there, the, the Chosen, has really just blown up. And it's so great to see because. Uh, it, it's so difficult, I think to compete like faith values to have these things in the mainstream, uh, type of entertainment compete with the easy distraction of everyone wants to see the violence and the negative negativity and those, those clickbait headlines. It's like, it, it seems like that's the easy way to get to people. And you kind of have to bring them to this faith values, the good part of stuff. And, and, and it seems like there's a conflict there. That's why it was so great to see the chosen take off the way that it did. I know it's like the, the highest crowdfunding funded um, project in history, why do you think that The Chosen is connected with so many people and what does is, what, what is the future of it look like?
1: I think the authenticity of it is the key. Uh, one of the things that Dallas and his two co-writers of the scripts uh, are, are just uh, obsessed with is getting it right and get, making these people accessible. Uh, we see a lot of Jesus movies and Jesus TV shows, but Jesus is perfect and speaks in King James English and seems ethereal. We get the God part of him, but we don't get the man part of him. And uh, so to make Jesus accessible, obviously, it's hard to, to identify with him because he's perfect. But the New Testament uh, implies a sense of humor on his part. And so Dallas and his co-writers have, have run with that a little bit, not making him always a jokester, but. He can tell a joke. He can laugh. He can smile. He has fun with his friends. So that makes him accessible. But the real key are the people that he chose to, to surround himself with. They're real people. They're flawed. They have they sin. Uh, and even when after they've been redeemed, they backslide. Does it sound familiar? It sounds like us. I see myself in these characters, and I think other people do too. A lot of people resist watching this because they think, I've seen Jesus movies, and I know what they're like. But uh, you, you see this and you see real people interacting with each other, failing, becoming forgiven, uh, interacting like friends. You um, know, our whole goal is to, to have people see themselves here and then go back. You know, we, we don't want this as a substitute for church or a substitute for scripture. We want to throw, you know, uh, spur people back to those things so they can meet Jesus in a new and fresh way.
0: Yeah, obviously, I think it's a tremendous vehicle to drive people back that way into that direction. And what is your connection here to it, Jerry? Obviously, you got the book, The Chosen. This is uh, based on season two. I know everyone's waiting for season three to drop. We got to get on Dallas with that. But uh, what is the connection with this book to the series? How does this thing, how does it all tie in? And where did you come into, uh, how did you come about writing the book?
1: Well, I helped Dallas get started in the the movie business uh, when he first got out of college. Um, you know, more than 20 years ago. And, uh, you know, but this is all his own deal. And, uh, and so I, I feel like I'm sort of pressing my nose up against the glass and saying, can I play too? Um, and he was happy to, to, to let me write a novel that, that accompanies each season. And so this is a little backward, usually uh, media events, you know, films and TV shows are based on books, not books based on the, the, the series. Uh, but of course, this series is based on the Bible, and then I come along and write a novel based on the the show. And so I'm watching these episodes sometimes 20 times a piece. I never get tired of one scene; uh, they all move me every time. I've always thought everything Dallas did was brilliant, but this time I'm right. And, uh, and you know, people all over the world they, they've uh, shown it at, at least 400 million times in every country in the world in 50 languages. And so I, I'm watching these and I, I'm writing a novel. Um, now, obviously, these are true events from scripture. And when when I get to an event that was portrayed on the screen, I like to mirror that almost exactly because I think readers like that. They don't like to see something and wonder, where did this come from? But I'm allowed to add more backstory and more imagining of conversations and inner monologue, the very kind of things that the writers of the, the script's. Have done. They've, they've imagined things that would lead up to these true events, and I'm imagining even more. So I've been having great fun with it.
0: Awesome. Yeah, Jerry, and The Chosen Book Two, come and see. I'm going to put the link to the book in the description of this podcast episode so my listeners can get over there. Uh, and, and get themselves a copy. And what has it been like for you as a dad to watch your son's success? And is there any kind of like um, a- any time that he comes to you for advice during the, the project, uh, uh, creating the new shows and stuff like that? Do you have any kind of disagreements? What's the relationship like uh, with you? And, and again, watching your son succeed in such a great fashion?
1: Well, you can imagine how proud uh, his mom and I are of him. And it's just a, a thrill when I was eight years old, I was in the hospital for about three weeks with rheumatic fever, and my mother took the the opportunity then to help me memorize John three, the whole chapter, and that's the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night. To see that scene come to life decades later, uh, my my own son's creation is an incredible, um, you know, full circle, circle moment for me, and. Uh, it's just been fantastic to to see this. As far you know, Dallas doesn't need too much uh, advice from me. I, I'd love to take credit for what he's doing, and and I'd like to think he got some of the storytelling gene from Dad. But uh, we we really work in two separate mediums. I mean, film and, and TV is really different from from books, but we complement each other too. And uh, yeah, we can disagree on things, but uh, I defer to him on the film side. He defers to me on the book side, and uh, it's just been a great ride.
0: Yeah, and obviously, you mentioned there, too, your writing career has been 21-time New York Times bestselling author, over 200 books, as you mentioned there. What advice do you have for the parents out there that have kids that are interested in pursuing a writing career, whether that be a novelist or in any other format? How would you kind of tell the parents to steer those kids?
1: Yeah, we're always going to need writers, no matter what the, how the mediums change. Some people are saying, you know, books are going to become passe as everything goes onto the screen. Still, somebody needs to, to write that. And uh, so I would I would encourage kids uh, make sure they're studying the craft. A lot of people try to start their writing career with a book. A book is not where you start; it's where you arrive. You should start with short things. Learn to work with an editor. Learn to be criticized. Uh, get a quarter million cliches out of your system. I teach writers online at jerryjenkins.com. We have everything from free blogs and tips all the way up to courses you can pay for and subscriptions to my guild and that type of thing. But uh, check us out. And um, you know we, we have uh, things to offer for people at any any level of income or, or ability to pay.
0: Really cool, and then getting back into you as a father. I know when I had Dallas on here, I asked him this question, so I'm curious to hear your response to it. Is uh, what type of disciplinarian were you as a dad with the kids growing up, and is that different than the discipline style that you grew up with?
1: Um, I would say my my style was pretty similar to to the way I grew up. Um, uh, we didn't hesitate to, to spank our kids. We never hurt them, um, and, uh, and obviously would never abuse a child. Uh, and we were pretty guarded with that. That wasn't a, normal, you know, a, a frequent thing, but when they needed it, they got it. And uh, and uh, we, we also use, I, and I, I see parents today kind of missing this trick. They give their kids these phones or screens, and then they wonder, they say, well, what are you going to do? You can't get a kid to talk to you. You can't get them to clean their room. You can't get them to do their homework. You've got a bargaining chip. Uh, you're in charge. You're not their friend. You're their parent. And you should be saying, look, if you want screen time, this has to be done first. And, uh, and if, if you're disrespectful to parents, that's going to cost you screen time too. Uh, use what is valuable to them, what they, what they uh, really enjoy. Now, we didn't have the screens when, when our kids were, were little, but there were things they had to do before they could, could play. We'd say, you know, you work before you play. Uh, you always leave time for play, but make sure the work is done too.
0: Yeah, really great stuff. And what about as far as now be- becoming a grandfather yourself? How many grandkids do you have? And what has that transition been like from father to grandfather?
1: I'll tell you, we have eight grandchildren now. And the last three are adopted. Dallas had three kids. And Ellis and his wife had three kids. And then they adopted a boy from Bangkok, Thailand. It's uh, just been a delight. They've had him over 10 years. And, and he's really special. And then our second son, Chad, he and his wife had uh, um, two boys. And then they adopted a brother and sister from inner city, Kansas city, Uh, a couple of black kids that are just special and precious. And they've had them about 10 years too. Um, And I have to say uh, I I am a different grandparent than I was a parent. I leave the discipline to the, to our kids to, to meet out. Uh, We try to spoil the grandkids a good bit, Um, but we love talking to them. Uh, I find myself a bit of a worry work when my, when my boys were growing up, I encourage them to you know, jump off the deck into the snow and and uh, take chances and climb trees and that type of thing with the grandkids. I'm like, oh, boy, don't be careful. Don't get don't hurt. You know, And the, and my kids tease me about that. And they say, Dad, you know, you pushed us off the deck, if you remember. So so let us raise our kids that way, too.
0: And how about as far as your faith, Jerry? I know that faith is something big, uh, you know, in your family. Is that something that you grew up with? Is that something that you came to in your own uh, personal life? How did you come across your faith and how important was it for you raising your kids with faith?
1: Yeah, I feel really blessed to come from a long legacy of people that were devout in their faith. My uh, father's father was a was a pastor. And, uh, he died when my dad was 14 months old. So, so my dad never knew him, but we, we see a lot of the records of his uh, pastoral ministry and that type of thing. And my parents were, were devout church going Christians and, uh, you know, raised us in the faith. My mother led me to Christ when I was just a child. Uh, my father had a lot to do with my rededication experience as a teenager. And, um, so we, we raise our kids that way, obviously in, in church and, and, uh, um, one of my jobs when, you know, when I talked about the, the time that I devoted to the kids every day, every night, I put all three boys to bed every night, and we would sing songs, we would quote Bible verses, we would memorize the books of the Bible, that type of thing. And uh, I see them doing the same with their kids. So it's it's really been special. And I used to be a little uh, intimidated and and jealous of people who had dramatic conversion experiences came out of drugs or prostitution or some horrible life. And uh, I, I eventually realized they would give anything to have a testimony like mine. It's just as much of a miracle to be raised in a Christian home with parents who take you to church and, and love Jesus and teach you that. And um, so I, I don't uh, envy anybody that's had to come out of a terrible background. Uh, I, I think it's, it is miraculous. And it's wonderful to hear, hear those stories. But I think our stories are good, too, that, that uh, we're raised in the church and we really know the Bible and know Jesus.
0: Yeah, I think any story that can be a testimony to help more people come into the faith is is a good one. And that's what I think you, know, you guys are doing right now is one of the be- biggest vehicles available that are driving people towards the faith. And I pray to God that we have more and more successful projects like The Chosen that will come along. Uh, to complement that, and, and I know uh, in your throughout your writing, I know you've done some biographies as well, and I, I've seen that you did one with Mike Singletary, and it's interesting because in about an hour after this interview, I'm interviewing Mike Singletary for the podcast here. But um, what got you into doing the biographies, and what did you kind like? How, how did you? Um, what did you take away uh, from the projects of doing these biographies and working with guys uh, such as Mike Singletary?
1: Well, definitely greet Mike for me. I haven't seen him in a long time, but uh, we try to keep up a little bit. He was a really special guy. I I was a sports writer as a teenager. In fact, I, I talked my way into a sports writing job at the local paper when I was 14 years old. I was too young to drive. My mother had to wait for me in the parking lot of the newspaper office and take me to the games and take me back there. Um, so I've been a professional writer since, since, since age 14. But uh, sports was my first love and sports writing. But when I had a rededication experience at camp, I felt called to full-time Christian work, and I thought that was going to cost me the writing. And uh, I remember thinking, I'll I'll have to, you know, forget the writing and start studying for the pastorate or for a missionary job, that type of thing. But a wise counselor told me that night, God often equips us before he calls us, so don't give up the writing uh, right offhand. That may be the vehicle that you use to fulfill that call. And so that's been the case. And uh, I've been uh, immersed in that ever since, but really not called to write, called to full-time Christian work. So whatever God wants me to do, that's what I want, how I want to do it. And I use this one gift he's given me.
0: Wow, amazing stuff. And obviously, you know, you're still busy. You're still at it. Uh, what kind of projects are you working on now? And what can we look forward to seeing from you in the future?
1: Well, I'm working right now on, on uh, season three of The Chosen. Uh, I'm using the scripts to, to write the novel. Uh, The next thing on my plate is a book with the manager of the Kansas City Royals, Mike Matheny. We did a book when he was manager of the St. Louis Cardinals called the Matheny Manifesto about um, how how to to teach kids character rather than just baseball. And uh, we've got a sequel uh, coming up that we're working on called the dad coach. It's for dads that have been pressed into service coaching their kids. Maybe they don't know the game that well, or maybe they think they're coaching future big leaguers. And he's saying, look, which you are coaching our future men, whether they ever play ball again or not. And that's what you need to teach him. He's an outstanding believer. And, uh, and then I'm going to rewrite my, uh, my marriage book It's called hedges loving your marriage enough to protect it. That book I wrote in 1989. And it's still um, in, in, had several iterations since then. But sadly, it's needed just as much now as ever, uh, how to protect yourself against uh, infidelity. So I try to stay at the task and, and stay busy. You You did ask how I uh, got involved with all the sports books. One of my first books that I ever wrote, I think my fourth book was uh, an autobiography of Hank Aaron. And uh, that opened a lot of doors for me. So I, I was able to do books with uh, Walter Payton and, and Nolan Ryan and Oral Hershiser and people like that. So it's been a, it's been a dream career.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you for what you're doing. It's so much needed your content more and more of it in our society today. And, uh, any any word you could drop for us here on season three? When are we going to expect to see that from The Chosen?
1: Well, they're trying to get, get it done by the end of the year. And I know they're going to release the first two episodes uh, in November. And I think they're trying to have, uh, and those are going to be theatrical releases in theaters, but then it'll always be free. And they're trying to get the whole season done um, by the end of the year. And uh, I'd like to have the book done by around November one. And then it takes, it takes several months to get a book out. So um So it's all coming, but they've run into all kinds of problems filming season three. COVID has slowed them down. Uh, The weather in Texas has been brutal, Uh, all kinds of obstacles. And when they miss a few days of shooting, like they recently had to shut down for three days for a COVID outbreak down there, that costs about a half a million dollars to not shoot because they still have to pay everybody and they have to reschedule that that shot later, too. So it's, it's been a real struggle, but uh, that's how you know you're on the front lines is when the enemy is attacking.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's when you know you're putting out something worthy is when all these obstacles are coming your way. There's no doubt about that. Well, last thing I want to hit you with here, Jerry, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening?
1: Well, I think just what I've talked about is that um, you, know, you will never regret the time you invest in your kids. And so many fathers will say things like, well, I I believe in quality time. You know, I I don't have much time, but I'll give you quality time. So when I'm there, kids don't know the difference. To them, quality time is quantity time. You tell them they're your top priority. You prove it by spending lots of time with them, and uh, it'll pay great dividends.
0: Very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Jerry Jenkins, you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood.
1: Well, thank you, Alec. Great to be with you.
0: You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.